<laughs> it means, oh, you, you actually are a part of the family of God, the community of God. There's a connection there. It's, oh, you're, you're a believer? Oh, right away there's a heart connection because we're in, the, we're in the same team here. We're in the body of Christ. And so the, it's not so much the word that matters. See, it wasn't that they were called Christians and then suddenly that's the word we need to be called by. No, it, it's that their lives so look like Jesus that people said, look at that. And that's the way, that's what happens when the church really shows up, is people look at peop, other people and say, there's something about you that's just like Jesus. I've read about him in the Bible. I've heard something about him. And here's the, here's the deal. Even we get to be the ones that can recreate who Jesus is in someone's experience. Because they may have had someone else in their life who had the name Christian, who had the, who had the little placard on their shirt that said, Hey, I'm a Christian. And then every part of their life said, I'm not a Christian. And so they, they have an idea of what Jesus looks like because of what they've seen in somebody else. That's a scary thing. People will discern and recognize who Jesus is through your life. You're like, man, I don't want that responsibility. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It's part of having the name. It says that, you know, we, we've been, what did Jesus say? He said, hey, you can come to the Father in my name. In other words, you're forever marked with my name. So no matter what, you can't get away from it. You can't be a follower of Jesus and not be connected to Jesus. And you can't be a follower of Jesus and not represent Jesus. It doesn't matter if you say, well, I'm just not that, I haven't learned that much. It doesn't matter how much you've learned. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. What matters is now that God, what God has said about you. He says, I marked you with my name. And so that, that's the community that happened. That's where they were worshiping God was in the place of Antioch where they were so much like Jesus that the people are like, there's all the Jesuses going around. Wouldn't it be good if we could have that happen again? in our city where people would see the people of God and go, if that's God, then I'm at least open. Maybe they're not willing to say I'm in yet, but they're like, there's something that you have that's attractive to me that, that, that pulls me to the heart of God. And so in the middle of that church, in that worship Saul and Barnabas were released, and they brought a breakthrough. They began to preach all over the place. So I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 16. They start traveling all over the place. So we're going to quickly just go through it. We went through some of the controversies last week in Acts 15, but I want us to get to Acts 16. And Paul and Barnabas even, here, even Paul and Barnabas have a disagreement, and they have to part ways. And so... Paul takes Silas and goes one way, and Barnabas takes another guy named John Mark. So even the Apostle Paul, you know, there's not perfection there. There was, there was a disagreement there that happened. They did reconcile later uh, because Paul later says, hey, John Mark, is, uh, he's, he's special to me. He's important to me. So we know there was a reconciliation later. So Paul and Silas, it's interesting right after this. I'm glad for Acts chapter 16. 
because it says Paul leaves for a place and he doesn't know what to do. The Apostle Paul didn't know what to do. I mean, don't you kind of, isn't that, does that, that encourages me. It says he went to this one place and God said, nope, not there. Don't go there. He's like, oh, okay. Uh, how about over here? <laughs> he goes over here and it says the spirit of Jesus. It's like, we're going to get real specific here. The spirit of Jesus would not let him go into Bithynia. He's like, stop. So you got it. I mean, here's the apostle Paul. He does not know where he's supposed to go. He's seeking the direction of God. Maybe it had something to do with that disagreement. I'd never thought of that before, so maybe he's getting his... You know, when you have something happen in your life and it just gets you off track, He's maybe he just needed to get back on track. And so he ends up in a place, finally he has a vision. God says, I'm going to be merciful to you because you're not listening to me while you're, you know, while you're awake, so I'm going to put you to sleep and have a vision at night. And he has a vision of a man from a place called Macedonia who says, come help us! And he had a great great discernment of what that meant. He said, I think we should go to Macedonia. <laughs> Don't you love it when God makes it clear sometimes? Sometimes it's not as clear. We have to, we have to seek him. But, but it was finally clear to, to, to Paul and Silas, and most likely Luke was with them too, I believe. Um, and so they end up in a place called Philippi. So this is the the, play, the Philippian people, the Philippian church that becomes the Philippian church. And it says that Paul begins to do exactly what he did in every place. He went to the place where people met, and he started talking about Jesus. He went to the synagogue. He started talking about the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. And it says some women responded to him and and brought him into their home. And then it says there was an uproar that got stirred up, and they got arrested. And he got thrown in prison. So Paul and Silas are thrown in prison. Acts chapter 16, verse 16 Uh we're going to pick it up right before they go in. It says, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. And she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. And she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Okay, so does everybody understand what's going on? Paul and Silas are trying to go around and talk to people, and there's this girl that's walking behind them shouting. She's shouting something true, but it's meant to keep people from the truth. It says she had, she was demonized. She had a demon that was in her life that was influencing her. And she starts, instead of declaring lies, she starts shouting the truth so that people are distracted from the truth and don't receive it. So this went on for several days. I mean, Paul has a little bit more patience than me, don't you think? Does does Paul have more patience than you? If you had someone walking behind you shouting all the time, what are you going to do? Punch him? <laughs> it's okay, your parents aren't here, right? You can just say, we're wanting you to be honest. You know, do something. like You'd be like, hey, Silas, can you like... <laughs> Here's what you do if you're in charge, right? If you're in charge, you send the other guy. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. I'd be like, hey, hey, Pastor Don, get on back there, boy, and take care of that. <laughs> do something. But they let it go for three, for a few days, it says. Then finally, 
Paul doesn't send Silas. He says, guess what? He just turns around and says, in the name of Jesus, come out. And it says she got delivered. She got free. She got to experience the truth she was declaring in error. She got to experience it for real. Now, because she was making money for someone else, she was basically someone else's pawn. She was someone else's just uh, being used by someone else. Uh, it says, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. And they brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. So the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And after they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So they are in, in Silas is, is questioning his choice of partners right, right at this point, right? He's saying, man, I could have gone with Barnabas. <laughs> I could have I gone with somebody else, but I went with Paul, and I'm getting all the action here. And it says in verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. If that's not a good worship time, I don't know what is, right? (laughs) But this time it's not in the church gathering. This time the worship is in the, one of the worst places you could be. They've just been beaten. They have just been severely beaten. If, if we don't, we, we forget that. You know, they had their, their shirts stripped off. They were beaten with rods, it says. They're bleeding. They are hurting. And they are chained up in the inner cell. And don't you know, there was no prison reform back then, okay? There was not no, like, there was no, like, standards or something. Uh, you can bet that the inner cell was full of all kinds of stuff on the ground. You think they would let them go to the bathroom? Yeah, right. They were sitting in things you didn't want to sit in. That's where their worship started. This is incredible. This is this these are hearts that are that are captivated with Jesus. These are hearts that are that that are said it doesn't matter what's going on around me. It doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter what someone else has done to me. It doesn't matter how my how my week has gone. It doesn't matter how my life is going. It doesn't matter if my family's remembering me. It doesn't matter if I'm all alone. It doesn't matter if it looks like God's not going to come through. It says they just started to worship. They begin to sing praise to God at midnight. At midnight, they begin to praise God. They were singing. It says, everybody in the, everybody else in the prison is like, what are you doing? What is wrong with these people? These guys have got something loose up here, right? 
I mean, here they are in the stinking prison, and literally it's stinking. They are, they are locked up, and they, their response to that is not, ah, oh, gosh, can't believe what they did to us. That guy, those guys lied about us. We, we, we did something good. I mean, you know, we shouldn't even be here. It says they begin to praise God. And everything changed. The atmosphere changed. It says actually, you know, basically their praise unlocked the freedom that God wanted to bring. And I've said this before, and I'll, I'll say it again today, is this. They, their praise brought freedom, but it wasn't their freedom. Their prison wasn't open so they could get out. Their prison was open so the jailer could get in and get saved. Because it says what happens next, that the jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword. He was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped because he knew his life was going to be taken from him. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. So the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The jailer didn't have to be told who they were or what they represented because he knew by their lives. And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. He recognized that this was a moment of heaven right here. He's like, when the prison doors open by themselves and there's an earthquake and there are people praising God, something is going on here. I need to ask, I need, I need something in my life. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, remember how late it was. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. Look at this. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. I mean, I don't know about the rest. The rest of the household is like they're getting woken up, right? I mean, the head of the household comes home and says, Wake up! We're eating dinner! We're going to listen to these guys. People are like coming out of the... <laughs> do you wake up like me? Oh, it takes a while to wake up. Or do you wake up like my daughter? Bing! Okay? If you wake up in an instant, you're a morning person, just so you know. Uh, don't go on the camp out with me, okay? Just uh, stay away. Stay away from me in the morning. Um uh, Man, these guys, in the, it's, it's just an amazing scene. It says in the middle of the night, he brings them to his house. The jailer says, come on, we're going home for a little bit. He cooks them a meal. He has them sit down. This is all going on in the middle of the night. I mean, it's like 1, 2 a.m. right now. I mean, sometimes we read these things, we don't pay attention to what's happening. I mean, there's not people out at 2 a.m. in Philippi at this time. I mean, there's no, no street lamps. I mean, there's no late night clubs. I mean, everybody, there's, it's dark. It's pitch black in the city. There's nothing going on except for the torches that they're lighting to walk through the, through the streets or whatever. His house is probably pretty close right there to the, to the jail, most likely. But in the middle of the night, they have this celebration. They have this meal. Paul and Silas speak the word of the Lord to his whole household. Everybody, it says, what does it say? Uh, at that hour, took them and washed their moods, and then immediately he and all his household were baptized in the middle of the night, 
in the middle of the night, everybody gets baptized. I mean, this is just so fun right here. This is just so awesome that all of this happened because Paul and Silas worshiped God while they were sitting in the worst place. And it didn't bring their freedom because guess what? Once they were done, what did the jailer do? He took them back to jail and turned the key and locked them back up. Put them back in the stocks, put them back in the same cell that stunk, said, I'm sorry, you're going to have to use the restroom right on yourself. Once again, you're going to be in the same place that you started when you started your praise, but their praise brought freedom. It just wasn't their own. Are you willing to praise God if it doesn't free you, but if it frees someone else? That's the heart of God because they were already free. See, Paul and Silas were still free. They were already free. It was because they were free that they were able to sing. Because a free person will worship God every day. Turn over to Psalm 34. You know, praise is one of the the fuels for our life, for our spiritual life. Have you ever noticed that when you don't praise, when you don't worship God, that things don't go as well for your heart? I'm not talking about circumstances, because circumstances are just going to be circumstances. But are you going to be ruled by your circumstances or are you going to be ruled by the kingdom of God that's within you? So Psalm 34 is this. This is just a great example of worship. This is a a great way to help us all know how to praise God and maybe encourage us to praise the Lord. If if, If you don't know how to praise God on your own, open up the book of Psalms sometimes. Just begin to read it until something stirs in your heart. If you're not a music person, maybe you just need to read the book of Psalms. If worship music helps you, great. If putting, putting, if silence helps you, because sometimes silence is the best kind of worship. It says this in Psalm 34, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. You know, if you're a worshiper, worshipers always bring other people with them. Worshipers always are encouraging people to say, hey, we're going to do this. Let's exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Do you have a lot of shame in your life? One of the ways that you get shame washed off is in God's presence, where you just worship him, and you let him say, let me, let me wipe that off your forehead. says their faces are never covered with shame. They're radiant. In other words, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it so it's not recognizable anymore. Man, there's some things in my life that I don't want recognized. 
And God says, because of Jesus, I'm going to make it like it didn't happen. I'm going to free you from that. So this poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his people, for those who fear him lack no thing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil, your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord delivers them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Oh, man, I love that last phrase there. You know, if you hide yourself in God, part of part of worshiping is just, man, coming into him and saying, okay, I'm, I'm just going to be close to you, Lord. I'm going to take refuge in you. You're going to be like my place to hide. Do you sometimes need a place to hide from life, from whatever's going on, hey, from from people who are attacking you, from people who are accusing you, friends or people who you thought you were your friends, or maybe it's family members, maybe it's just your job situation, maybe it's just, uh, maybe it's literally your neighbors or something. You just need a place. I just need a refuge. The presence of the Lord is a refuge. And it says there, there's going to be no condemnation in the refuge of God. You know, there's a lot of condemnation all around me. I can find people that can condemn me or criticize me or tell tell me what's wrong with me, right? Anybody can, we can all find somebody who could do that. We could probably do that for somebody else real easily. It's it's easy to condemn somebody. It's easy to, to criticize and accuse and point the finger at them and say, they're the problem, you're the problem. I mean, isn't that kind of what's going on in our country? We got people just pointing fingers everywhere. It's like, you're you're the problem. <laughs> what we need is to get in the presence of God. Where he takes away all the pointing fingers and says, where are your accusers? Where are your accusers? Just like the woman who was caught in adultery, it says that Jesus, she was brought to Jesus. And they were waiting for what he was going to do. And he began to write in the ground. Wrote something in the in the dirt there. And it says, everybody who is accusing the lady, when they saw what was written in the dirt, they began to just walk away one by one. And Jesus said to the woman, where are your accusers? And so in the presence of the Lord, you have a refuge from the voices that would accuse you. 
So I, I, I mean, I wasn't planning on sharing that, but I, I really feel like maybe there's somebody here, maybe there's just a couple people here, maybe there's several people here who you need to, you need to struggle with voices from the past or, or things people have said, just accusations like, you know, you're always just going to fail like that. You, you know, can't you get yourself together? You know, just whatever, whatever it is that it's, it's like a vo- it's the voice of the accuser that's telling you, Hey, can you believe you failed that way? Can you believe you did this wrong thing? Can you believe that you acted this way? You need to get in the presence of God. You need to get in the refuge of Jesus. It says, the one who takes refuge in him, he will not condemn. So let's stand. I want to pray for you. If that's you, I just want to pray over you right now. Just put your hand on your heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for that there is no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus. For in Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. We don't have to go the same way that happens in the world. We don't have to be like someone who has been defeated and continues to be defeated. We don't have to be one who is condemned for our past. We have been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Jesus, that what you've done is enough to free us. That what you've done is enough to to pardon us. What you've done is enough to take away condemnation. And so I pray for anybody who struggles with condemnation this morning, that God, that in the refuge of your presence, they will be free from the accuser. That just like the Pharisees begin to walk away in the presence of Jesus, the voices that are in heads and are speaking in minds will begin to go away in the presence of Jesus. And Jesus is going to say, Where are your accusers, my loved one, my son, my daughter? They're nowhere to be found. And so we thank you for that. Father, we just thank you right now, Lord, that you would put us in situations that call praise out of us. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that Paul and Silas, they were put in a situation that worship was called out of their hearts. What was placed in them by the Holy Spirit was called out. And in that moment, there was a breakthrough, God. We thank you, Lord, that in those moments, Lord, where we're so focused on ourselves that we don't know that it's not for us, it's for someone else that we're praising. It's for someone else's freedom and breakthrough that we're praising. Lord, and we thank you, Lord, that even in the middle of the night, You can do amazing things, God. And so no matter what time it is, we want to have your praise continually be on our lips. We choose to worship you, God, and declare your and give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be blessed as you go. And if you need prayer, come grab one of us before you go if you still need prayer for something.